Hello, welcome to Basecamp for Men. I'm your host, Tony Rezac. This is the show that gives you insights and resources in how to live a more courageous life. We'll be looking at men, the current state of masculinity, and how to create a more inspiring narrative for all men. Welcome and let's get started. Well, my dear listeners, we've come to the end of season one. I hope you enjoyed the show and picked up some new resources and perspectives for the next chapter of your life's journey. Season two will pick up in March or April, and we will be continuing with great guests and seeking to balance the tried and true resources for men that we've come to know and love with new tools that we try out and find valuable. And my commitment is to continue to find our edge together and to share as authentically as possible where you and I might get stuck, how to proceed powerfully, and how to live courageously as men. Now, until then, please go to basecampformen.com and sign up for our quarterly newsletter. I only send this out four times a year, and it will have valuable and sometimes free stuff in it. Uh, and I'll also be posting updates on the show, so go ahead and make sure I have your email from there to keep in the loop. And I would like to thank, before we close out season one, my team, sound editors extraordinaire Chris Rod and Tahu Parkinson. Thank you, men, for making the show sound so professional and dealing with my uh, coming in sometimes at the last second on deadlines. I really appreciate your patience with me. And I would like to thank my producer, Tabitha Smiles, for all her hard work for putting up with my periodic freakouts as we work to make the show all it could be. Thank you, Tabitha. I really appreciate it. And now for the best of season one. First, I'm going to do it in two parts. I'm going to share with you the three most listened to episodes and then share with you what your favorites were before announcing what the the all-time favorite was. The all-time favorite. Um... Now, for the best of season one, first, the three most listened to episodes. Number three was episode 14, The Porn Trap with Wendy Maltz. Coming in at number two was episode 13, The Hero Within with Carol Pearson. And the number one most listened to episode, drum roll please, episode 10, Inside the Men's Circle, which was the first one we did with the Warrior Dogs. So way to go, Warrior Dogs. Uh, You got the number one spot. And now for the listener's choice of season one. So we sent out a notice to vote for your favorite uh, episodes. Uh, We got plenty of votes for episode seven, How to Raise a Boy with Michael Reichert. Also plenty of votes for episode 11, Building Boys with Nikki Wilkes. Both are excellent episodes. So if you haven't heard them, go listen to those. And the two episodes I did with uh, Benjamin Seaman, number four, uh, The Secret Lives of Men, and episode 23, Men in Depression, also received plenty of love. So go listen to those. But a tie for the top show, the tie went to, first one was episode 29, Into the Mystic with Paul Dunyon. Very, very good show. I love that show. And also, again, episode 14, The Porn Trap with Wendy Maltz. So you have excellent taste. Those were great episodes. If you haven't heard them, go do it. Uh, But I can only run one, and I'm choosing The Porn Trap, only because we just aired episode 29 a few short weeks ago, and episode 14 feels like a long time ago. So here is your favorite episode of season one. Enjoy, and we'll see you back here in the spring for season two of Base Camp for Men. Thank you, listeners, and have a great start to 2020. Just a generation ago, only a small minority of men would have been considered regular users of pornography. Today, porn reaches an unprecedented number of people from all walks of life, and it reaches them 365 days a year, 24-7. In the United States alone, 40 million people visit internet pornography sites at least once a month. Some visit for only a few minutes at a time, while others stay on for hours on a regular basis. A whopping 25% of all daily internet search requests and 35% of all downloads are for pornography. There are more than 400 million pages of pornography on the internet, and it has been stated that you no longer have to go looking for porn 
porn is looking for you. As you might expect, most regular porn users are male, 75 to 85%. You may be shocked to learn that youth under 18 have become one of the largest consumer groups of pornography. Many of the sexual problems that porn causes come about because porn creates an overdependence on visual imagery for arousal. Yes, men can find pornography to be erotic and exciting. It's just that habitual porn use and a truly happy partner rarely coexist. I will say that again. Habitual porn use and a truly happy partner rarely coexist. This is because a relationship with pornography undermines the critical values that are the foundation of a healthy, intimate relationship. Values such as honesty, intimacy, respect, trust, and love. Studies show that 70% of people keep their porn use secret. And even when they are upfront about their porn use, they often hold back sharing detailed information in order to prevent upsetting their partner. A relationship with porn signals to a woman that something else has her partner's sexual interest, not her. And the lying and deception porn users often rely on to cover up their porn habit make honesty, trust, and respect impossible. So, how do you know if you're using pornography as a healthy part of your sex life or it has become a problem and needs to be addressed? Well, today we're going to talk to Wendy Maltz, who is an expert in the areas of healthy sexuality and the pitfalls of pornography. Wendy Maltz is an internationally recognized sex therapist, author, and speaker with more than 35 years of experience treating sex and intimacy concerns. She authored many highly acclaimed sexuality resources, including the recovery classic, The Sexual Healing Journey, A Guide for Survivors of Sexual Abuse, as well as The Porn Trap, The Essential Guide to Overcoming Problems Caused by Pornography, as well as Private Thoughts, Exploring the Power of Women's Sexual Fantasies. Wendy's popular educational website, www.healthysex.com, provides free articles, podcast interviews, posters, videos, and more to help people overcome sexual problems and develop skills for love-based sexual intimacy. Here's my interview with Wendy Maltz. Hi, Wendy. It's great to have you on Basecamp for Men. I'm so excited to talk to you. Welcome. Glad to be here. You and your husband, Larry, wrote a book called The Porn Trap. It has been such a resource for men. I've recommended it to a bunch of people that I know. My story around that, I was kind of raised in what would be called the sex positive culture. So my own sex education was books from the self-help section that expanded my understanding of what was considered normal, not normal. And, you know, things like the good vibration guide to sex or the guide to getting it on. I came away with respect of healthy sexuality and the varieties of expression in that. But the undertones around pornography in those books was always like, hey, it's totally healthy. There's no pitfalls, really. Anything you want to do as much as you want to do really is fine as long as you're not harming people. Yeah. I carried that a long time. And I think it can be kind of the default with many men. It wasn't until years later, reading your book, doing my own research, being in men's groups, where I was like, wait a minute, there might be something really not healthy about pornography. And that was the first time I really went, wait a minute, let me step away from my own conditioning around all these books that I've read, which kind of had a similar message, and let me do my own research. And that's when I discovered your book, and it started to change my tune around pornography and its place for men in particular. Mm -hmm. I guess to start off with, what are the pitfalls of pornography, and what do men learn about 
masculine and femininity based on, you know, a regular use of pornography? Well, first I want to say that you're not alone in having this experience of pornography becoming for you something that you were questioning Mm -hmm. and that you saw that might be problematic and having gotten messages that it's no big deal. I was a trained sex therapist for 40 years. And in the early stages of the work I did with couples and individuals, porn rarely came up as an issue. It wasn't until the internet came. And what we were seeing was what's happened since you were young and and I was young, you know, is that this product morphed. It changed. It became something way more powerful than it had been. It became something very easy to access. You can get it now 24-7. 70% of all porn is now accessed through mobile devices. Even since writing a book, it's become even more prevalent and easy to get to. And the product itself morphed into something where the depictions of sex became a lot more extreme. Because it was, it's essentially produced as, uh, for, for men as a masturbatory aid. That's how they make their money. They get people hooked on the uh, free stuff. And then it's actually pretty scary to see when you read the studies of how there are algorithms that are now pointing people based on the clicks you do when you're watching algorithms kick in, just like shopping and the other things we have. And it's essentially taking the viewer to the paid sites, which tend to be even more violent, you know, based on violence, aggression, a lot of racism, a lot of sexism, and also towards child pornography, the barely legals and extreme sex, because people get habituated to a particular, to what they're looking at. And so the, uh, it's a commercial industry, so they need to get people seeing what's going to get them a little bit shocked, what's going to seem novel and exciting. So it's a different product. It's very powerful. It's hard to get away from now. Before right. it was hard to get. Yeah. But, you know, there's lots of teasers for it in terms of even cologne ads and things mm-hmm. like this that will pop up on ESPN or you know, a lot of the male sports sites will show scantily clad totally. females and it just like clicks the brain into, ah, yeah. you know, I think I'll do some porn. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, you're already While started. I'm here. Yeah. While I'm here. Oh yeah, porn, you know. <laughs> so they, they, they're really geared toward making money and it's almost like a spider trap that it pulls people in. Back when I was a kid, there wasn't any internet. Makes me sound like I'm 200 years old, right? There wasn't any internet when I was growing up. When we were young. Yeah, if, I mean, the only access, if your father had Playboy or something like that, right? And those were just, there was nothing really graphic. These were just like topless women, right? If you wanted something else, you had to go buy it. And nobody was doing that because you're like, I could run into my, my baseball coach or, you know, my friend's mom at the store. Like there was this kind of deterrent where you're like, I'm not doing that. You know, there's no way. Do you remember when it was in the back room of video stores? Like there was a little cubby place 
I remember hearing about it. I grew up in a small town, so we didn't have anything like that. But I know in the big cities, they had like the peep shows and all that stuff. But yeah, uh, yeah that was wow. Um, and now it's in your face. Yeah. And it's like the first, rather than like spice, yeah. there's something that could be considered spice for a relationship or even kind of a way to learn something about sex and how to be sexual. It's now like right there and it's right there for young people. We have a whole generation whose first experience, uh, exposure to what sex is, comes from porn and whose first sexual experiences are masturbating to porn. Mm -hmm. And boy, that sets can set in some pretty strong associations mm -hmm. and expectations that actually end up being counterproductive later on. If you've got a young person at home, which I do, would you, as a therapist, would you recommend setting parental controls, which kind of says, I don't trust you? Or would you just have a talk and say, hey, this stuff's out there and this is the pitfalls of it and this is how it's going to maybe alter your brain around this topic or, you know, you just work to get him healthy influences in the area of sex education? Well, I like the second option you were describing mm -hmm. a lot better than the first because the thing is kids can get it. They can get it if they want it. They can get it at any time, day or night. They have friends. They you could put it on a thumb drive. You can. You know, it's just there. You can't really set controls. Um, that doesn't mean it would be good to have it easy to access through home computers or the kind of setup you have for a young person on their mobile device. It's better to have as many barriers so that the young person isn't coming across it inadvertently a lot and yeah. has to go a few more steps to get it. But I think it's the conversation, it's really the relationship between the parent and the child or the older brother and the younger brother, you know, mm -hmm. being able to say, hey, you know, this stuff, it looks great, it delivers, mm -hmm. but it also delivers a whole lot of other stuff that for some people can ruin their lives. Yeah, I definitely have experience with men that have really, really struggled with it. Is there such thing as healthy porn use? What's the diagnostic? For some men, I know it's just, look, I'm, I have addictive patterns. I'm just staying away. That's what's the healthy choice. But for a man that's like, well, I go on once in a while. Is there such thing as healthy porn use or it's really a slippery slope? And the recommendation is like, have a healthy sex life, but really do it without the use of digital pornography, which is everywhere like you were talking about. Uh, well... It's yeah. hard to generalize. Everybody mm -hmm. is different. Like you said, some people have addictive tendencies just with anything. You give sure. them a lot of cheesecake and they can't stop eating it. I think certainly people with compulsive and addictive tendencies, um, they run a higher risk of developing serious porn problems if they get into it a lot, you know, and use it on a regular basis. Is there healthy porn use? I think erotica uh, there, may, there may be a place for erotica, um, but that could be a DVD on tantric sex or, you know, on sexual massage. I think that some of the lines that people have described where it becomes unhealthy is when it becomes something they actually need and depend on in order to experience self-pleasuring and masturbation or the go-to in their brain, the fantasies in order to get aroused. When you get uh, dependency, you crave it, 
you, you can't control your use, mm-hmm. you uh, can't stop despite negative consequences or seeing that it's leading you down a path where you could be getting into illegal or risky behaviors or things that harm your work life and your home life, you know, then that's definitely when it's a problem. You know, some couples, they pick their porn or erotica together. You don't have a secret life and a secret world that you're having to keep separate from your partner. And I was thinking about the word integrity. Integrity is about wholeness and it's about consistency. And the problem with porn is that it often splits people. They compartmentalize. They have this world, this place they go to when they're with their porn. And then they have this rest of their life, you know, and maybe they're leading a Boy Scout group or they're, yeah. you, know, you know, they're part of their community in certain activities. Or they are in a relationship and a, and a marriage with somebody they care about and they care about their kids and they care about influences on their kids. And then they have this world where they're into this behavior where they're watching women getting slapped around or just other people having sex in ways where they're getting excited and they're finding certain behaviors arousing that don't fit with their values. So this split occurs. When you're split up, part of you is living in another world. You don't have that integrity. You don't have that sense of wholeness and you don't have your full power. So a lot of times what I've heard from men is they don't like that feeling. And that feels unmanly to be having to hide something, almost like a teenager or whatever, something you're ashamed of, something you would feel humiliated about if it came out. You would feel people would respect you less if they saw It's always better if our sexual fantasies, uh, things we're using for stimulation or for, you know, things we find arousal, if they fit with our values and our sense of self. And the more you do that, it's called ego syntonic, the same, sin, Mm. like a synonym. Ego syntonic behavior, porn can be what's called ego dystonic, dysfunction, you know, split apart from. And um, the amazing thing is that porn tricks men, I think especially, which can trick females too, of course, but into thinking that this is manly behavior and mm. that, you know, this is what men need. This is what men are entitled to. This makes, makes you a man to be able to look at this uh, sexual interaction and get off on it. Mm-hmm. You know, and the more kind of rough or intense or even just uh, exploitive or humiliating or stranger, you know, all about strangers and not about anything real. Mm-hmm. The more you're into that, that that somehow makes you more of a man. The men who decide they want to leave porn, it's because they just don't like this split. They, and they don't like this loss of power with their sense of personal worth and integrity. That's really beautifully said. I don't know if I've ever heard anybody put it quite like that, but it's so accurate. What are some of the benefits besides this one that you just said of not using it? Let's say a man uses pornography, decides, okay, I've heard the show, I've read Wendy and Larry's book, I'm not using this anymore. 
other than this return of integrity, which by itself would be a huge benefit, like you said, this return of inner power and feeling like I'm not compartmentalized, what could he expect in his relationship? Like what would open up by trying to go without, taking a break from it? What's waiting for him on the other side besides better integrity and better you know, integration with himself? What other things await him that are gifts of leaving that addictive behavior or that regular pornography use? There's a lot there. Yeah. Um, first of all, it's not easy to quit. First, I think you have to have very realistic understanding if you're going to um, you know, go down that path. You might look at other things you've quit if you've ever quit smoking. What if a man's um, never quit anything? <laughs> oh, my God. I'm you kidding. He's, he's still leaving his rolled up socks I'm, on the I'm, middle of yeah, the bedroom I'm, floor. I'm half kidding. But you don't know. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, you've got to understand and have a lot of self-compassion and mm. caring and patience and take it in steps. I mean, there's a whole... The whole second half of the book, The Porn Trap, is devoted to recovery and how to move away from it if that's what you choose to do. But this stuff has gotten into your brain. The brain of porn users is similar to the brain of alcoholics and other drug addicts. It messes with the dopamine system. You can start to feel uncomfortable in not using it. Also, you need to put something in place. You know, people can go, I have no idea how to self-pleasure, take care of my sexual, you know, urges and all without porn. And they're scared. And to try to start to move away from it can mean to come face to face with how much of a grip it has you in. Just like you realize the tobacco industry, man, they got my lungs when I was 14 years old and they haven't let go. Well, the porn industry can get your genitals and, you know, and not let go and not want to let go. And it's everywhere. But that doesn't mean it can't be done. And coming out of isolation, getting support and help. There are some groups that men have joined, Sexaholics Anonymous, things like Mm -hmm. this. Sometimes they're faith-based groups. Sometimes they're groups just for men. Consciousness raising and awareness, that kind of thing. The kind of groups you run, you know, that you're familiar with, where there's support from other people, from people who've been there, gotten out, and can give some advice. Um, But there's getting it out of your environment as much as you can. But you need, you know, ways to deal with things like urges and uh, relapses back into it and see see it all as part of a process. Now, okay, that said, so if you're going about it with a realistic perspective in terms of why do it and what the benefits are besides that feeling of having your self-esteem stronger and it frees up time, uh, people find they often do better at work they're more focused, they are up for advancements, and they start progressing in their life because a lot of wasted time often went to porn use. And I don't mean through self-pleasure, mean I mean the hunting and the looking for the images and all that. And in terms of relationship, it is huge because having a relationship with porn, especially if it's a secretive one, it's like having an affair or like having a mistress, or like going to a prostitute. I mean, pornography is 
a commercial sex industry, you pay in some way, whether it's your internet access fees or something, you know, you don't even have to pay for a website, you can get a lot of free porn, but you are supporting corporations and paying in certain ways. But being able to have a relationship where you're more present, if you say to your partner, um, you know, I, I really love being with you. You're not in the back of your mind saying, oh, yeah, and, and I did porn last night. And God, the images I saw and what I, you know, <laughs> you're, not, you're not whipping yourself or something. You're able to really be there. Right. And, and you're not living a double life, so to you're speak. You're not living yeah. that double life. Yeah. And if your partner says, hey, are you using porn? And you can go, no, I actually given it up. When a partner knows that a man is using porn, they can feel like they come in second. They can feel in competition with it. And they can feel a level of disgust towards the porn user for being into it. And they can feel a lot of fear of what might this mean for them as a couple? What might it mean to the family or exposure kids? What kind of messages might the porn user be giving to the kids or having to like pull back from involvement with the kids because they don't want to be found out about their porn use or, you know, put themselves out in a duplicious way. Men often get more involved with their family, more involved in their relationship. And, you know, the body takes care of itself. I mean, if you shut down one avenue for developing sexual interest, uh, new ones open up. You might find that you suddenly become more tuned into a full body sensuality in a way you never were before. The smell of your partner's neck, you know, becomes this big turn on all of a sudden. I had men come into therapy who gave up porn and they were talking about being able to have an orgasm for the first time without pornography and they felt more present and they felt the enjoyment of it and they felt they didn't end up with a, a like a bad aftertaste afterwards, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And in sex too, not having to be running some film in their mind of the porn in order to function with a partner. So it can open up worlds of more full body sexuality, more attraction to your partner, because attraction levels can shut down when someone's into porn. Studies have shown they find their actual partner less attractive. Nobody can compete with people in porn. They're like sexual athletes and they're all young and, you know, but you can learn to open your heart in sex. Do you still, are you still practicing as a sex therapist or are you? No, I, I worked for 40, 45 yeah. years or something. It was long enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've been uh, retired from counseling for several years, but still active in terms of some speaking, some training, yeah. and I still feel very committed. You know, it's interesting, Tony, I, I've got books in me. I think there's a big need, especially for a book on Men, Sex, and Love, How yes. to Connect Love and Sex. And we go into it somewhat in the porn trap. There's whole chapters with exercises on how to learn a new approach to touch and sexuality that is more integrated. 
And we've gotten really great feedback about those exercises, by the way, from men who went off porn. But um, I think there's a lot that needs to be addressed, especially in today's world where you have so much unhappiness going on from men's sexual behavior that was harmful to others and uh, kept secret for a long time or ignored. That book would be incredible because I think a book like that, where you can really lay it out the path for men to have a healthier sexuality with their partner would be fantastic because I think sometimes men don't know where else to look for the information. We've been sort of left in the dark. We were handed porn when we were young as our sex education tool, not knowing the pitfalls, but then identifying the pitfalls. And it's like, well, now what? How can I be a better lover? How can I be more sensitive to my partner? How can I be a more intelligent, walking, breathing, loving man? How does that look where the rubber meets the road, where the, you know, the bodies meet the mattress or whatever, right? Like, how do I, how do I do that? So I'm living my potential in that area because, you know, men that are into personal development, we don't, sometimes we don't think of our sexual health as an area to work on necessarily, right? There's no like, what's the pathway over there? You know, every man wants to be a good lover. You talk yeah. to any man and he, he doesn't even meet Don Juan. He just, he really wants to please his partner, right? That's our and show, that's our show for today. And listening. know what he wants and how men remember that the story of generation is not yet on your whole pleasure. I'm Tony so Reeves, Reeves not Thank you for listening. examples or, you know, the literature's kind of steered us a little bit wrong. Sometimes it's spot on, but sometimes it's wrong. And so I just think sometimes men can be a little bit in the dark. So if you've got a book in you around <laughs> Then well, please I write think, it and I'll interview you as soon as you get it done. <laughs> I, think, well, I, I think I'd make a good mentor to somebody who was doing the writing on that. And I think it needs to be a man and maybe yeah. even a young man who's exploring these things. Well, thank you so much. You have just been a delight to talk to. I have loved this conversation. You're so oh, great. Open. And I so appreciate the work you and your husband, Larry, did with The Porn Trap. I just feel like it's a resource that's going to be there for generations, really. Um, and I just, I just I want to thank you for helping men with a healthier version of themselves and a healthier version of sexuality for men because it's been in the shadows. It's been buried in shame. It's a delicate topic that we can't talk about and all these things. So that you've brought it to light and the book's been picked up and talked about. It's just, it makes me really happy because men, if they can discover the book, take a look and be honest with themselves, there's another version of themselves in this area that they probably feel like this is just what I'm going to do because there's a healthier version of sexuality for them, no matter what their circumstances are. It just really fills my heart. And so thank you so much for all the work that you've done over the years, over four decades. Please come back and talk to us again. And you have a great summer down there. Great. Thank you. You too. Man, she was just great to talk to. I want to thank Wendy for all of her wisdom on this delicate topic. I hope you came away with new insights and a better understanding of this seemingly benign threat to your sexual health in your marriage or your partnership. And go get Wendy and Larry's exceptional book, The Porn Trap. It's a must-read for any man who has a concern about his porn use or just wants to learn about how to be healthier and happier in his love relationship. And Wendy's website, www.healthysex.com, has lots of free resources for understanding and healing around the issues of pornography and its use. Treatment programs for people with porn problems vary in approach, format, and cost. 
Some involve one-on-one -on -one meetings with a counselor, healthcare provider, or other specialists, while others involve attending group meetings with people who share a desire to quit porn and overcome other forms of sexual addiction. In order to find a treatment program that is most likely to help you, it's important to do some research and spend some time thinking about what's available and what types of programs resonate with your values, beliefs, and lifestyle. You may have to try several approaches before finding one that fits your needs and personality. If your sexuality has been deeply entangled with your porn use, you may want to consider taking a break from sex altogether. Many 12-step, faith-based, and sexual addiction treatment programs strongly advocate an initial period of sexual abstinence. This break can be extremely beneficial, if not necessary, for someone who is struggling to overcome a porn addiction. That's our show for today. Man, remember that the story of your life is not yet all told. I'm Tony Rezac, and thank you for listening to Basecamp for Men.